ladies and gentlemen of the jury. We are gathered here tonight to decide the verdict in a case that has been open a little bit over 2,000 years. Tonight, you of the jury will hear evidence against those accused of killing Jesus Christ. You will be presented with the evidence against each suspect. And then you will be asked at the end of court to all reach a verdict of who is guilty as charged. Since the judge has called this court to session, I would like to call our first accused suspect to the stand. Iscariot, Judas Iscariot. This man was a disciple of this Jesus that was killed, and he lived life alongside Jesus for about three years. Many speculate that Judas was actually and could have been one of Jesus' closest friends. He was the one that Jesus entrusted with the treasury of the ministry, and that is something he did not take lightly. In the book of Psalms, chapter 41, verse 9, a hundred, hundreds of years before Jesus' ministry would come to fruition on the earth, King David prophesied into this event and said this about Judas Iscariot. Even my close friend in whom I have trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Guilty? This man Judas, who watched Jesus heal the sick, he saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw him turn water to wine, walk on water, and calm the raging seas. This man pursued the Jewish leaders and asked him what they would give him if he turned this Jesus over to them. Does that make sense? I don't think so. Judas led an army that dark, anguish, anguishing night into the garden where Jesus was praying, and he led over 200 soldiers with him. And Judas was about to do the unthinkable. Here is even more evidence to the jury. He betrayed his friend with a kiss. During that time in Israel, a kiss actually symbolizes the utmost respect, honor, and trust. But from that point on in the garden, in all of Israel, that kind of betrayal, even to this day, stands for the worst kind of deception. This man, Judas, was a traitor. This man, Judas, was a murderer. Even when he knew what he was doing was wrong, and he returned the blood money, the 30 pieces of silver, to the lead priest, it was too late. Guilty? 
Well, Judas sure showed remorse and regret himself from what he did. And instead of facing the crushing guilt, he instead hung himself over the property that was then bought with, yes, you guessed it, the 30 pieces of silver traded for Jesus Christ and is now to this day called the field of blood. Is Judas guilty of killing Jesus? Well, before you make your verdict, I'd like to call another suspect to the stand. The Jewish leaders that make up the Sanhedrin. Jesus was absolutely, unmistakably a huge threat to the Jewish community and to the Jewish religion that Jesus came to save. These religious leaders spent three years trying to corner Jesus and catch him in a lie in order to have him arrested and even killed. But because they feared man more than they feared anything else, they protected their appearances at all costs because there was a huge following with Jesus' ministry. And so they stood back, and as they watched Jesus' ministry increase exponentially, they put a plot together to publicly humiliate, humiliate and torture and kill this supposed-to-be Messiah. Now, you see, these religious leaders, they feared Jesus because of his incredible works and the people's lives that were being changed. They saw people healed right in front of their eyes, and they always justified with excuses, doubt, and denial. And they became absolutely furious and enraged when Jesus stormed the temple and cleared the flea market from the corruption, the self-gain, and the false prophet. As they made more money and were selfish in their profit and did not give what was God's, but they kept what was not theirs to keep. And the religious leaders knew that. Are they guilty? You see, when you read the historical evidence and the scripture, you see that these religious leaders could not and would not allow this man to work signs and wonders because it threatened their very position and the holy calling in the religious society that they demanded and they dominated. They finally resolved that nothing would stand in their way from publicly killing this Messiah as an example to all who would come falsely in the name of Jehovah. So men and women of the jury, are these Jewish leaders guilty of killing Jesus? 
And before you make up your minds, I want to ask you, are you sure? Because so many scholars and so many court cases of this example keeps coming up. The Jews are responsible for killing Jesus. But I would like to make another case by bringing up our last suspect, the Romans and the Roman government. The Jews could not crucify Jesus. They can't take credit for the crucifixion. After all, crucifixion was the Romans' ultimate form of humiliation, torture and execution, only done under Roman approval. The Jews could not legally execute Jesus. You see, just a few years before this happened, the Roman government removed the Sanhedrin's authority to publicly execute people of the Jewish nation. You mess with Rome, you deal with the consequences of humiliation and elimination of you out of the government and out of the face of this earth. And the Jews knew that. And so what the Jews did, because they could not themselves approve the execution, they manipulated a plan and a political scandal to present Jesus, proclaiming Jesus to be king and threatening the very throne of Caesar. And this is the pivotal moment in which the Roman government got involved. The governor of Judea, Pilate, his ultimate concern was not with governing justly, but his ultimate concern was to stay in power. So whatever he could do to keep his position and keep climbing the political ladder, he was going to do. Does that remind you of somebody that we see early on in the beginning of the New Testament? His name was King Herod. And he had caught wind of a prophecy that a young baby would come from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David, and would rule and be the king. And he did everything within his power to eliminate every baby under the year, under the age of two years old. That prophesied babies, ladies and gentlemen, the Messiah, the threat that King Herod tried eliminating was now standing before another power-starved Roman ruler. And before you decide their guilt, even though the Jews manipulated and put Pilate in a corner, it was the Romans, through the authority of Pilate, that nailed Jesus to the Roman crucifix. Now you, people of the jury, you decide who's guilty. You have accused person number one who traded 30 pieces of silver for this man's life. You have accused number two who pursued the death of this man for the sake 
of religion. And you have accused number three who killed Jesus for the opportunity to stay in power. Ladies and gentlemen, um, excuse the court, but we just found out that we have one last group of suspects in the killing of Jesus Christ. And so I'd like to call this group to the stand before we reach our verdict. You. You. All of us. Judas, guilty. The Jewish leaders, guilty as charged. The Romans and everyone who scattered and watched, guilty as charged. We are guilty of sin. And because of that, we fall short of the glory of God. That is the only way we can have relationship with him is perfection and holiness, which we will never be able to obtain. All of you have turned your back on the living God. The one who made you for relationship with him. The Bible says none of us are righteous, not one. No one understands God. No one seeks God. But our Heavenly Father is unlike any other. He came seeking you and me. He came seeking you. Men and women of the jury, He came seeking you by sending His perfect, sinless, sacrificial Son. And Jesus said time and time again in His ministry that He was up to one thing, and that was seeking and saving you. People of the jury, jury, what truly is on display here is such outrageous, radical, unconditional love. I hope you get this right now. This is the radical love. Our heavenly Father, the judge of all judges, turned his back on his son so that he wouldn't have to turn his back on you. You're guilty of killing Jesus. Why? Because he radically loves you. And he would rather stand turning his back on his precious son for one moment in time than turn his back on you for all of eternity. That is why we are in this court this evening on Good Friday. And that is why it's called Good Friday. This was not plan B. This was plan A from the beginning. 
What greater way to display God's amazing, relentless love for us? He who knew no sin became your sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. Men and women of the jury, we have now been declared righteous in the sight of God through the blood of Jesus and have been saved from the wrath of God which was put on his son. So now men and women, boys and girls of the jury, who is guilty? You must make your verdict before the end of court. Wow. I have a notarized note from the Almighty Judge Himself. And may the court make note of this that this case has to be closed because of this. Says this it doesn't matter what you've done, guilty. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter where you've been. Hear me tell you, I forgive. You're not guilty anymore. You're not filthy anymore. I love you and mercy is yours. You're not broken anymore. You're not captive anymore. I love you. Mercy is yours. Can you believe that this is true? Grace abundant, I am giving to you. Cleansing deeper than you know. All was paid for long ago. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Jesus, my son. You are spotless. You are holy. You are faultless. You are whole. You are righteous. And you are blameless. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, thank you for your time. Case is dismissed.